Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hour number two, just getting warmed up on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. My name is Greg Rakestraw, in for Bob Lovell. Normally, I am a guest on this program. I have a sign it off, so I said, why not? Let's just host the entire thing. And the sports gods were kind to me because there is so much to talk about. That is equally good news for Eddie Garrison because it's time for his marathon edition, top of the hour, Network Indiana Sports Update. Thank you, Rake. It's always a pleasure to spend a Saturday night with you in downtown Indianapolis with our fantastic producer, Chris Carter. Major League Baseball in full swing. Baseball, nonetheless, in full swing. We'll start with the majors. The Cleveland Guardians and the Minnesota Twins have gone final. Emmanuel Class A shuts the door in the bottom of the ninth inning, picks up his 17th save of the season as the Guardians top the Minnesota Twins 4-2. Stephen Kwam hit a solo homer at the top of the ninth. They gave Class A an extra insurance run, but it was Will Brennan who gave the Guardians a 3-2 advantage with a two-run home run in the top of the seventh. Guardians are now 26-32. and 32. The Twins are 31-28. and 28. And with the win tomorrow, the Guardians will split the four-game series with the Minnesota Twins. Starting here shortly at 10-10, the San Diego Padres and the Chicago Cubs. Drew Smiley, the veteran and crafty left-hander who carried a perfect game into the eighth inning this season, will start for the Chicago Cubs. And then Hugh Darvish will start for the Padres. That game is on Fox Sports 1. Earlier today, the Chicago White Sox picked up a 2-1 to win over the Detroit Tigers in 10 innings, but not in a conventional fashion. It looks like there was a cross-up between Jose Cisnero, the pitcher of the Tigers, and the catcher, Eric Haas. It resulted in the fastball 96 miles per hour going off the face mask of umpire Gary Blazer. It gets away from Haas, and next thing you know, Yoan Moncada is scoring to win the game for the White Sox. Not a conventional way, but they'll take it nonetheless. Gary Blazer, the umpire, is okay. The White Sox are 2-1, and one, and they go for the three-game sweep against the Tigers tomorrow afternoon. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they keep dominating the St. Louis Cardinals. Today it was 4-3. to three. They jumped out ahead 4-1. to one. No offense really for the Cardinals all game. They did register six hits, but Nolan Gorman made it close with a two-run home run. In the top of the eighth, the Pirates this year are four and two against the Cardinals through their six games. And in this three game series, they've won both games, meaning they will go for the sweep tomorrow afternoon. They're 30 and 27. The Cardinals are now 25 and 34. The Cincinnati Reds, Milwaukee Brewers, 10 8 final score. Graham Ashcraft, he has really struggled over his last six starts, gave up 10 earned runs in four innings today against the Brewers. The good news for the Reds, though, the bullpen, five innings, they only gave up. Two hits in total. They had a late surge in the eighth and ninth innings. Bases loaded with one out, and the Reds were unable to get the job done against Devin Williams, who picked up his 10th save of the season. Colin Ray picked up the win for Milwaukee, who is now 31-27. and Cincinnati 26-32. and They have now lost two consecutive after winning five straight, three consecutive after winning five straight, and game three of the four-game set will be tomorrow afternoon. NHL, they're about over in the second period. The Vegas Golden Knights, they lead the Florida Panthers right now 2-1, to one, just under 50 seconds remaining 
in the second period. That's game one of the Stanley Cup. College basketball, or excuse me, college baseball today. Indiana Hoosiers, Kentucky Wildcats. That's in the Lexington Regional. 5-3 advantage Hoosiers. They take the lead. In the bottom of the seventh with a three-run home run, and then they tack on an insurance run in the bottom of the eighth that gets them that 5-3 to three win. They will play tomorrow at 6 o'clock against the winner of the West Virginia-Kentucky game, and that's because the Mountaineers defeated the Ball State Cardinals today 13-5. to five. The Indiana State Stickamores, they are hosting their own regional out in Terre Haute. They win today 7-4 to four over the Iowa Hawkeyes, courtesy of a big five-spot in the bottom of the eighth inning. They will play tomorrow at 6 o'clock as well. Minor League Baseball, the Indianapolis Indians, they defeat the Toledo Mudhens today 10-7, to and the South Bend Cubs defeat the Fort Wayne Tin Caps 11-4. Other scores today, UND, they fall in the first game in the D2 Super Regional 6-5. to Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back. It is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Greg Rakestraw in for Bob Lovell. Like every segment, we have a great guest. That's kind of the nature of this program but there is so much that is going on today and tonight. There's a couple things I wanted to make sure that we got to today. And, and a buddy of mine reached out and said, hey, you need me for IST tonight? And I said, sure. And then I realized what he called today. And I'm so stoked that he's in the program. That is Kurt Darling, who, of course, is no stranger to, well, many of the radio stations that are carrying this program. No stranger to this show. But today was working for the IHSAA Champions Network and, by extension, Champions Together because he was on the call of the Unified Track and Field State Championships in Bloomington. Kurt, that is so cool. How are you this evening? I'm good, Greg. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. And for those who don't know, my friend, he covers a variety of sports. He's pretty good track and field credentials, former decathlete at Indiana <laughs> State University. But you don't need those credentials to figure out why this afternoon was so cool at IU. What was that experience like for you? Greg, it was probably one of the most uh, inspiring things that I think I've ever witnessed because, now keep in mind, this is the first actual unified event that I had actually been able to be exposed to. I had known about unified sports before, but this is the first time I've really been able to kind of be immersed in it. And I'll tell you what, it was impressive how organized everything was, how into it the athletes were watching the partner athletes from the traditional sense of the sport coming in and helping out with everything the coaching the it was really really cool to see all of these athletes who have uh, either physical or uh, physical or mental disabilities coming in and just being really cool really good at what they do and it was truly something that was really fun to watch and i think a lot of people really need to come out and just take the time to come see a unified event and how it runs it was truly remarkable watching this event and interviewing a lot of the people behind it who made it all possible over the last nine years that this has been going on throughout the IHSA. Literally, we keep time and score, but nobody loses uh, in an event like this. So uh, from a from a team state championship, who won today from the unified perspective? That would be the Noblesville Millers. They beat Carroll by three points 
112-109 in a traditionally scored track and field meet. But the difference that happens in this, Greg, is every every competitor is basically put into a flight that is of similar performance standards. So you have, for example, if you have athletes in the 100 meters, for example, running to about, I don't know, maybe 11 to 13 seconds, they go in one heat. And then another heat, you have competitors that go about maybe 13 to 15 seconds and so on and so forth. Every one of those flights and every single athlete gets to score a point for their team. So every flight scores. So every flight is a final. And so you get to see all of these athletes scoring points for their teams. And Noblesville, they really put together some really good events today. It came down, actually, to the 4-by-100-meter relay at the end. Noblesville, they started off slow, but they were able to get into the final two, stage, two stages of the race, and they had a really good performance at the end. And it was really, really cool to see um, Noblesville come away with the overall unified championship today favorite event favorite storyline favorite athlete if you will any of those that, that kind of trigger a reaction uh, from your afternoon down at indiana university well one thing that really caught my eye greg was um, actually before the event even started i was looking at some of the seed times and some of the some of the individual performances that some of these athletes have put together over the course of the season. And one athlete that did catch my eye was Elkhart's Braden Jellison. Now, again, unified athlete, so he's uh, competing here in the, in, in the unified sense. But he had a seated shot put throw of 56 feet 6 inches. Now, to put that into perspective, yeah. Greg, that would have qualified him 11th in the second flight of the traditional meet. And he was competing unified, so that was really, really cool to see how a lot of these a lot of these competitors they are actually they were really good at what they do, and it was really inspiring to see. But you had a lot of good performances from all across the board, and Noblesville had a, just an outstanding program put together. But it was really cool to see all of the schools. You had Bloomington North, Bloomington South, Carroll, Elkhart. And Westfield, Valparaiso, Bedford, North Lawrence, you had all of these schools representing a whole bunch of different parts of the state. And one thing that was really cool to hear was that you have now over 100 schools yep. starting to get into unified sports. And it's growing with the partnership with Special Olympics of Indiana, as well as champions together and the IHSA all working together. It was it was a really cool event to watch today. Kurt, that's awesome. But I appreciate you chiming in, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Saturday evening. I think you actually get a day off tomorrow. Go enjoy Finally. that great. Great working with you the entire month of May. I know our passes will our pass will cross soon. Take care, buddy. Absolutely. Take care, Greg. Kurt Darling, and as the person that gets to call the other unified state championship in flag football, I get goosebumps thinking about doing the pairing show for that every fall and calling that state championship at Grand Park. From Kurt Darling to Nick Yeoman. They both got a passion for IndyCar racing. Nick's part of the network. We'll tell you about the weekend in Detroit when we come back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. We've got some tickets punched for the softball state finals next week. The field is set. Here is the Class 2A state championship game. That'll be at 5.30 Eastern time, 4.30 Central time on Friday. That'll feature Andrean and North Posey after that at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. The Class 3A state championship game will be between New Prairie and Tri-West. 
And then moving on to Saturday, the Class 1A state championship game will be at 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central. That'll be between Caston and Tecumseh. And then at 4, that 4A state championship, one of the best college or college prospects, one of the best high school athletes the state has ever seen in Keegan Rothrock and the Ron Colley Royals. They will take the field at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central against Penn. That is for the softball state finals next weekend. IndyCar in action this weekend. Qualifications today for the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. That is on the Detroit Street Circuit. Alex Pillow captures P1. Second consecutive P1 for Alex Pillow. Scott McLaughlin will start second. Ramon Grosjean third. Scott Dixon fourth. And Joseph Newgarden will start fifth. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, Eddie finished his Network Indiana scoreboard update by talking about the uh, IndyCar weekend that, well, now for the last decade if not longer has followed the indianapolis 500 for generations it was a milwaukee mile we don't run at that course anymore to the indycar series now it's been the streets of detroit it's largely been belle isle but now it truly is downtown detroit around the renaissance center and other landmarks in downtown a new track for the indycar series and nick yeoman is there to chronicle all things both indycar and indy next over the course of three days and he takes time out of his busy schedule to join us on indiana sports talk have you recovered from the month of may just yet my friend officially recover from the month of uh, may greg it was a busy one for sure and uh, i know for these teams it's been a bit of a grind as well but uh hey this this thing just keeps rolling downhill so it's off to detroit and then we get a weekend off but uh no we're still flying high after what I thought was a pretty exciting Indy 500 last Sunday. Yeah, we'll kind of double back to the 500 because obviously we, we're, we're still in the afterglow of that with uh, with Joseph Newgarden getting the victory. Um, but let's talk about what, what people will obviously notice when they are watching the race come tomorrow afternoon or listening to it on the IndyCar Radio Network. Uh, for those that have the visual, it's going to look a lot different. It's going to look cool. Is it all that much fun to drive? Uh, seemingly for the drivers, I'm not sure the answer to that question is yes, Nick. Uh, I think it's probably a big no. In fact, uh, Alex Flo, who's the pole sitter, the pole sitter should be happy, right? He's the fastest guy around this 1.7-mile street circuit. But he described the track as uh, too short, too tight, and too bumpy. So not necessarily a ringing endorsement from the Spaniard. Um, I mean, listen, it's a street circuit. It's year one. I think we all understand there's going to be some massaging they're going to have to do. In fact, they made some wholesale changes to the racetrack. Uh, just overnight, Friday night into Saturday, of widening some areas, moving the pit exit lane over a few feet. So there are certain things that are going to need to be done. But we're going to put 27 cars on the streets of Detroit, Greg, and I think we are going to see some carnage tomorrow. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at six, eight, ten cars that end up DNFs. Uh, because I just think it's going to be a race of attrition. It is a tough, tough street circuit. Well, something that is also very unique, um, we're, we're going, normally like we say double file for, for restarts. We have a double-sided pit lane. Explain that to me, please. So, uh, you know, you're, you're limited with the space when you set up a racetrack in a street circuit, right? I mean, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway sits there 365 days a year. It doesn't change much. When you're uh, setting up a street course, you're limited to the area that you're setting it up at. And uh, track 
uh, promoter Bud Danker said, you know, they couldn't find a thousand feet to put together a standard IndyCar pit lane. What they had was 500 feet. So, you know, Greg, I went to Ball State. I can do the math. That means you're going to have to split that pit lane in half. So, what we basically have is half the field pitting on the left, half the field pitting on the right. There's a blue line that goes down the middle of pit lane that, of course, these drivers are supposed to follow. Uh, there's plenty of room. It's pretty wide. I don't think it's going to be an issue, but visually it is stunning watching cars peeling out left and right on this pit lane in Detroit. It is uh, super unique and one of those things that I've never seen before. And and let me, again, just it, one of these things, once I say it, you'll, you, you maybe have already gotten there as a listener, and if you're an IndyCar fan, you've probably maybe wondered about this, but let me explain kind of what's unique about this. Basically, if you're on the if you're on one side of pit lane, you have to fuel on one side of the car. If you're on the other side of pit lane, you have to fuel on the other side of the car. So it's not like they were just kind of drawing these all willy-nilly. These things had to be assigned well in advance, correct? There's no doubt. And I think there was probably some strategy that went into uh, picking which side you wanted to be on because I think, you know, naturally – we just got done with an entire month of May where they're pitting with the fueler coming over on the left side of the race car. Uh, so there are some adjustments, and we'll see. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be sitting there with stopwatches, but I would guess that, uh, that the teams on one side that pit a little bit more naturally, you may see a little bit faster pit times, and that could be the difference in a couple spots come race time. All right, so let's now back it up six days. Uh, again, that's tomorrow afternoon at 3 on the streets of Detroit, literally on the streets of Detroit. It's been on Belle Isle and the Seaway. That's not the case this time. You'll notice that again if you're watching. And, of course, Nick and his colleagues on the IndyCar Radio Network are doing a wonderful job, as they always do, as they certainly did last Sunday, in terms of painting the word pictures for you. So from your perspective in turn number one, what images still stand out in your mind six days later about the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race? Uh, I mean, there's there's quite a few things. The first one would be the roar of the crowd all three times that IndyCar made the decision to red flag <laughs> the event. And right. I know it was a controversial call, but ultimately I think it worked out okay. We got an exciting finish. Uh, I'll probably never forget watching Felix Rosenquist wash up the racetrack after Joseph Newgarden passed him, slapping that wall and then sliding back down the racetrack and, and Michael Young kind of finishing off that call with that big accident for Kyle Kirkwood. And then ultimately, Greg, I mean, some of these restarts were just insane. Going two, sometimes three wide down the front straightaway, coming right at me down in turn number one. It was uh, it was thrilling. It was a show. It left people talking. We got a deserving winner. All told, I think the Indy 500 gets an A in my book in terms of last week. We'll get to Joseph Newgarden in a matter of moments, but I, I want to kind of give you an idea how the sausage is made. Drivers say that all four turns are different at the IMS Motor Speedway. The turn reporters will tell you that getting to their broadcast location in all four turns are also vastly different at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Explain to folks how you get to your location and, and kind of where it's where it's at within the turn number one complex, grandstands, et cetera. Yeah, so I've got a uh, metal basket that hangs underneath the upper deck. So if you go up to uh, penthouse box number 13, there's a little hole in the roof a little latch that opens up. There's a staircase that leads down. And, again, it, it's just as simple as that. It's a metal basket that hangs underneath the upper deck so I can look down and see all the fans, uh, you know, having a good time and then uh, climb back up out of that little hobbit hole when the race is done. But it is uh, one of the best views in the house looking straight down uh, the, start, uh, the, the, the front stretch of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. All right, so with that, let's talk about the winner. Um, I said this immediately after the race was over because I felt this way beforehand. 
We all knew it was a matter of of not if, but simply when we felt Joseph Newgarn was going to win this race. It's crazy to think, it ages all of us, you and me both, that this was his 12th 500 start, and he finally got the win. It's, it's the it's the second longest streak. Tony Kanan was at 12. Only Rex Mace won it on his 13th back in the 50s. Um, just your thoughts as to now being able to say the phrase we thought we would say for a long time. Joseph Newgarden is an Indianapolis 500-mile race champion. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a long time coming. I think what makes it different is, you know, you think about Tony Kanan waiting 12 years, but Tony Kanan was like leading laps in the top five every single year, and it was plenty of heartbreak. Joseph, up until this year, I mean, you look at the 100th Indianapolis 500, he finished in the top three. That was a fuel mileage race. It really wasn't a standout performance for Joseph where he was really that close at winning the Indy 500. But you look at his resume everywhere else we go, and he's one of the best IndyCar drivers of the past decade. So it was a big box to check. He's kind of downplayed it, Greg, this week, saying that he doesn't necessarily feel like to him it wasn't a make-or-break thing for his career. But, boy, I, I can sense the, the sense of relief uh, and, and the monkey that's off his back, and uh, the, he's able to breathe a little bit easier now. So I think it means a great deal to him, and uh, I think in the coming weeks and coming months, I bet he'll change his tune and realize that, yeah, this was a big one in terms of cementing his career as one of the best we've seen. we got about a minute here, buddy. And, and again, we kind of shut off the points conversation after the GMR Grand Prix until we get to Detroit. Now it is back on. Um, just kind of your thoughts as to how the points race is shaping out going into tomorrow afternoon's uh, event. Well, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on Alex below. He's been so strong, obviously, winning the Grand Prix, winning the pole for the Indy 500, and had a masterful drive to get back in contention and of course he didn't show up to the indy 500 to finish fourth but he did salvage a ton of points rallying after uh, running into getting run into by arena cdk on pit lane and then shows up to detroit brand new street circuit greg and he puts that car on pole so if we're kind of looking for a favorite i think everyone's going to be shooting for alex below he seems to be at the top of his game ganassi's been strong and I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, leads a lot of laps and scores a race win tomorrow in Detroit. All right, so I, I've stayed at the hotel that literally the track goes around. Are you calling the race from your hotel room tomorrow? No, I am calling it from the roof of a parking garage, nine stories up, looking down in turn number one. They look like little toy cars. It's uh, it's quite a view, and I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. Greg. It works that way in St. Petersburg, by the way, folks, just in case you're wondering. Sometimes in a straight circuit, that's the best view you can get. Go get some shut-eye, buddy. Thanks for the time this evening. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Greg. You got it. Nick Yeoman, of course, Mark James, Davey Hamilton, et cetera, Jake Query, Michael Young, IndyCar Radio Network. Have you covered tomorrow a green flag sometime after three? Back to talking college baseball of the kind that Eddie Garrison like to talk about. Those UND Greyhounds in the D2 World Series. We'll catch up with them next on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. Game one of the Stanley Cup final out in Las Vegas. They are underway in the third period. Last update I gave you, it was two to one and less than 50 seconds left in the second period. Well, with 11 seconds to go, Anthony Duclair puts one in the back of the net and the Florida Panthers have tied it up at two apiece out in Las Vegas. About 17 minutes and some change to go. In the third period. Some Major League Baseball scores right now. Chicago Cubs and the San Diego Padres. They're in the top of the second inning. That game is on Fox Sports 1. And it's still 0-0. The only hit of the game so far on the San Diego side of things. Juan Soto 
doubled in the bottom of the first inning, but nothing to show as Drew Smiley navigated through that through two strikeouts in the first inning of play. The Baltimore Orioles and the San Francisco Giants, they're underway in the bottom of the second, 0-0 there, and it's a battle for the best record in Major League Baseball right now. The Arizona Diamondbacks with a win, they would have the best record in the National League specifically, not Major League, but in the National League, they would have the best record if they win today against the Atlanta Braves. That game is 0-0. They're in the top of the second inning, and that's because the Dodgers lost today to the New York Yankees. Six to three. Minor League Baseball, South Bend Cubs, Fort Wayne Tin Cups, 11 4 final. South Bend Cubs with the win. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. As you well know, I have a passion for a lot of different sports, a lot of different teams in the state of Indiana. But there's only a couple that I get to call home or the alma mater. I think you know by now the pride have my hometown of Lanesville. Our girls, by the way, made the semi-state in softball. Got beat by Lutheran, who then was beaten by Tecumseh. And Eddie mentioned the fact that they'll be playing in the 1A championship game this coming weekend at Benninger Stadium at Purdue. And I'll kind of talk more about that a little bit later on in the program. But the other place that I will always call home, and my God, I can't believe I'm 25 years removed from being a student there at this point, would be the University of Indianapolis. For five years, I actually was the voice of the NCAA Division II World Series. In one of those five years, the Greyhounds made it. Well, this year they have made it back, and they have done so as the seventh seed out of their region, as in the last team to get in. They've won two weekends of regionals. They're playing in Cary, North Carolina. They led 5-2 against the number one seed. Unfortunately, they lose by a score of 6-5. But all is not lost. They'll come back and play on Monday. They'll try to win their way back to the winner's bracket. That is the mentality of the head coach and Al Reddy, who joins us now. Good evening, my friend. I, I wish we were talking after a W, uh, but 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 I know that you know that there's a lot of baseball left to play. Kind of tell me how things played out for your team this evening down in Cary, North Carolina. Yeah, me too, Greg. I mean, I appreciate you having me on tonight. Um, you know, I thought the team played uh, just spectacular tonight. Uh, Brandon DeWitt, who is probably the uh, the best big game pitcher that I've coached, uh, you know, over the last, uh, you know, I don't even know, 15 or 20 years. He is he was just spectacular again tonight. I mean, one mistake late uh, in the game ended up being the difference in the ball game. But uh, uh, you know, you got to tip your cap to Millersville. They they got down and they fought back. And you know, you can talk all you want about the seating. Uh, every single team that's at this national championship uh, deserves to be here, and they have to see them. Somebody's got to be the eight seed. It might as well be us. Well, you've been down there before as an assistant coach. Uh, obviously, work with the legendary Gary Vaught. What is it like to go back now as a head coach for the first time? You know, anytime you're here uh, playing for the national title in Cary or, you know, back when it was in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, it's an awesome, it, just an awesome experience. And, and I'm really uh, mostly just happy for my guys to be able to experience it. You know, I've had, I've been here a few times before and it's just, uh, it's just awesome. That's that's the best way to describe it. All right. When, when, when talking about your team season, you get off to this phenomenal non-conference start. You knew you're going to play a rugged conference schedule to start March. You had no idea you'd be 0-8 and 2-10 and after three weekends, what is going through your mind heading into 
kind of conference weekend number four, you know, back in mid to late March? Well, the GLVC is just a gauntlet in terms of baseball. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a tough league. Um, you know, we started off hot in our non-conference schedule and, and, you know, winning 11 games, and then we got punched in the mouth. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer, though, Greg, that if you're going to win a championship, you know, something like that's got to happen. you got you got to get punched in the mouth, and you got to see how the guys respond. And, and, you know, really, you could argue our backs were to the wall uh, from the third conference weekend on. You know, we started out 0-8. There's 13 schools in the GLVC, and, you know, they only take the, the uh, eight to the conference tournament. You know, our backs were to the wall from the third weekend on. And uh, every time we had to win, we got it done. Well, the backs of the wall, clearly you're kind of in that scenario now, so it's something you are familiar with. You've not been in that the last couple of weeks, and you had played nothing but league opponents uh, in Illinois Springfield and Maryville and then winning two in Quincy. And again, I don't know how many years it's now been. The Division Two has now gone to the Super Regional format where you model Division One. You go from around 64, not the full 64 in Division Two, but then you work it down to 16, then you work it down to 8. That's a carbon copy of Division One. What was last weekend in Quincy, Illinois like for you and your team? You know, I've been going to Quincy a lot of years, and I don't think I've ever been there where the flags were just stiff blown in from right field, you know. And uh, we had a practice session scheduled the day before the series, and I noticed the wind was blowing in. I was talking to, to uh, Josh Raby, their their athletic director and former head coach, a good friend of mine, and I said, man, I don't think I've seen these flags blow like that before. And he said, yeah, you know what happens. And I looked at the weather forecast the rest of the weekend. I noticed it was going to be the same on Friday and on Saturday. And and uh, I told Trevor Ford, our top assistant, I said, you know, this <laughs> we're going to beat them. You know, and it's a tough place to win. You got to give Quincy uh, a lot of credit too. There, uh, Matt Chisel and and uh, Josh Raby. You know, there's a lot of a lot of the, the players that were there were, were guys that that uh, uh, Coach Raby had, had recruited and, and, and coached up uh, along the way. And and they just have a fantastic program, and and we were just uh, you know we got hot, we got hot, we played great baseball, and we 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 came out on top. Well, you are here now, and there's a couple three individuals that I want to ask you about, and and I you and I were talking off the air. When I filled in for, for JMV on the fan in Indianapolis this week, I kind of said, all right, I'm going to talk about my alma mater for about 15, 20 minutes because there are two individuals I wanted to talk to, one that I kind of sort of knew, the other one I simply knew of. So let me start with EJ White. And again, if you're a fan of, of Indianapolis sports, you know his dad, Eddie, as the host of Pacers Overtime. He has a very much a high-ranking corporate job as head of corporate communications for the Indiana Pacers. His mom has won a state championship as a high school soccer coach. She is the former Marion County Athlete of the Year. EJ spent four years at DePaul and now still has a couple of years left to play for you. What has his addition meant to your team this year? Well, he definitely got his athleticism from his mother. Let me start by saying that. Of course. Um, no, it, uh, uh, EJ is, you know, another kid that we have just ice in his veins, you know. And, and again, we, you know, we went to EJ in the uh, uh, game two of the series against Quincy. And uh, I think he pitched two and two-thirds in that game, finished it off, uh, and was spectacular. And he came in again tonight and, uh, you know, shut down a potential – uh, rally and 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 got it done for us and gave us a chance to get the tying run to the plate and and that's all you can ask for, you know he he's been really good. Our pitch, Greg, has been great in the last twenty or twenty one games. You know, <clears throat> each and every time 
our, our starters have given us a chance to win. And if they've gotten into trouble, our bullpen has stepped up and, and shut things down. And, and uh, you know, that's a big part of our success. But, yeah, EJ is just uh, – he, he's one of a kind, man. I, I love him. And, and and I love how Al classified that because when I talked to him in like March about his pitching, he said, man, we can really hit. So I'm glad to see that that has changed uh, over the course of, of the last couple of months. All right, finally, um, there's a young man that shares my last name, which is not that common. Um, I was a very mediocre athlete at the University of Indianapolis, but I was still the most athletic rake straw in UND history until about the last two years. Tell me about your outfielder from Cincinnati in Adam Rakestraw. Yeah, Adam's uh, you know, Adam's a, a just a great kid. He's a he's a yeah he's from the Cincinnati area. That's right. He's um, he's a senior this year. Uh, this is his last year. He's uh, he's he's come a, a long way. He, he's always been athletic. Um, he's really developed and turned himself into a, a serviceable player for us. He plays center field when Brandon Dewitt pitches, and uh, you know he handles the bat really well, and. You know, I'll tell you, he's he's just a good ball player. You know, he's a great student, good ball player, great teammate, and uh, you know, I, I again another kid that, you know, you just I just think the world of him. He, he's he, he's he's awesome. And to tell you about the balance at this level, um, he's heading off to law school. Has one year of eligibility, but has given that up because he's got law school in his future. Doing the alma mater and clearly the family name proud at the same time. Even if again, folks. We are not of relation, as they would say on Forrest Gump. So you're off tomorrow, elimination game, Monday afternoon, 3 o'clock, correct? That's correct. All right, Cal State San Bernardino is the opponent for my beloved UND Greyhounds. Give them hell, Coach. Um, you know, get them ready for Monday afternoon. Best of luck, and uh, keep keep representing the university well as you have ever since you set foot on campus. Thanks for the time tonight. Anytime, Greg. Thanks for having me on. You got it, buddy. Al Ruddy, again, he is the head coach of the alma mater, that being the University of Indianapolis. As they have qualified for the Division II World Series. They lose to the number one seed tonight in Millersville of Pennsylvania. Led it 5-2, ended up losing it 6-5. They'll play in an elimination game coming up on Monday afternoon again. I love that facility. Cary, North Carolina. USA Baseball uh, training facility. It is absolutely gorgeous, and you can watch those games for free on NCA.com. So if you got a little time on Monday, you can kind of turn down the office productivity. Go watch the Hounds. My buddy Joe Castellano will have the call on NCA.com. Stay tuned. More good stuff coming up next on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. Today they have qualifications in the NTT IndyCar Series for the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix on the Detroit Street Circuit. And during the Peacock coverage today, a pretty uh, notable celebrity stopped by with Kevin Lee. Diff, look who I'm with. This is my new friend, Flava Flay from Public Enemy. Welcome to IndyCar. And this is my new friend, Kevin Lee in the place to be because he's rocking from the bottom to the T.O.P. right here at the Grand Prix. <laughs> How about that one? I don't know that I have a follow-up from this. Have you been to IndyCar before? What do you make of what you're seeing? Hey, I've never been to an IndyCar race ever in my life, but I've always been a big fan of racing, though, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, back in the days, you know, my racing greats were people like, like, like Al Unser and Mario Andretti. You know, people like that, you know. You know, the old greats, the old legends. 
Now, I don't know how I can follow that up other than giving you the results of qualifications today. Alex Pelot, the Spaniard, is on the pole for the second consecutive race. Obviously, he had the pole for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race last weekend. Scott McLaughlin will start second, Ramon Grosjean third, Scott Dixon fourth, and your winner of the 500 just a week ago, Joseph Newgarden, will start fifth. The race tomorrow coverage will start at 3 o'clock on Peacock as well as NBC. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk rolls along. Greg Rakestraw, now I've got to earn my money. We've had great guests the entire show. I think I can find a way to talk for four and a half minutes. It's kind of what I've done over the course of 30 years. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm in a couple of more times, uh, I think, in late June and again in July. Bob begins. You know, Bob's a teacher at heart. He's now been 29 years removed from being the athletics director at IUPUI before that, head basketball coach and AD at Franklin College before that, English teacher at Center Grove High School. He thinks he gets the summers off. So he does. So he's back when we get to the first week of August. Well, obviously, the bread and butter of this program is high school sports. Well, we've talked primarily college baseball on the program. We've mixed in some IndyCar. We did talk about those wonderful unified track and field state championships. But you could argue, and I generally probably think about this in terms of, like, say, October, November, in terms of numbers of state championships that are taking place. But as busy of a time as you'll have in the IHSA as right now, the girls' tennis state finals were today. Carmel won that again against South Bend St. Joseph. The individual and doubles state championships will take place next weekend. The softball semi-states took place today. I'll rattle those off in a matter of moments in terms of who is playing whom, and Eddie had that in a sports update earlier, but in terms of state championship matchups and times have been set for Benninger Stadium at Purdue, and if you have never been there, go. That facility is truly magnificent. Go check that out next Friday or Saturday. If not, you can watch it on IHSAA TV. Baseball regionals were today. The track state championships for the boys were last night. For the girls were tonight. Noblesville won that from a team perspective. But from the softball semi-state, regionals Tuesday because of some rain down south. Some of those were Wednesday. All semi-state games were able to get in today. Here are your winners of the semi-states. In Class 1A, the northern winner was Caston. They'll take on Tecumseh was very much a favorite to come see just steamrolled Lutheran in the championship then at North Davies tonight. That's going to be the first game on Saturday. They'll play that at 430. And again, this was something that was picked up in the pandemic year when the games were played down at Center Grove when we couldn't be on a college campus. They went to doubleheaders in softball that year and doubleheaders in uh, baseball because it was kind of a Monday-Tuesday finish that year at Victory Field, and it was like, you know what, instead of trying to play four in one day on Saturday or even in baseball's case, playing one on Friday and three on Saturday, 
let's just play two both days. That seemingly was was pretty well received. So that's the way this is going to take place. So the 1-8 championship game is on Saturday. It is Caston and Tecumseh. The 2A state championship, Andrean, you know them from their success in baseball, and they did win another baseball. I think, they're, I think they won their 16th baseball regional today, did Dave Pishker's team. Well, the softball team's pretty good, too. They're 29-7. and seven. They will take on North Posey. Now, there is going to be a recurring theme in terms of the softball state finals. Uh, forgive me. It's either Aaron Hone or Aaron Hain. I'm not sure to pronounce her last name. I know this. She's the pitcher at North Posey, and she is going to go play at Michigan, and the Vikings are 28-0. So 59ers and Vikings in the 2A championship. That's the first game next Friday at 530. The 3A state championship game will be New Prairie and Tri-West Hendricks. Tri-West has a pitcher in Audrey Lowry who's going to go to Oklahoma. I'm not sure Oklahoma's like lost in this millennium. They're that good. They're playing in the Women's College World Series right now. Tri-West is on to the uh, 3A state championship game. And the 4A title game will be the Penn-Kingsman and Ron Colley. Ron Colley goes for the three-peat, and they are thought to have the best pitching prospect in the country, Keegan Rothrock, that looks to lead them to that three-peat championship. They dispatched of Harrison last year in the state championship game. They get Penn in the 4A game. 2A, 3A, Friday night at Purdue, 1A, 4A, Saturday at Purdue, doubleheader Friday at 5.30, doubleheader Saturday at 4.30, IHSATV.org if you can't make it. More of Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk coming up next. Welcome back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Again, Greg Rakestraw with you. We kind of walk you through what the girls' softball state finals will look like next week. How about we walk you through what the boys' semi-states for baseball will look like next week in this somewhat shortened segment that we have. Uh, again, the format changed to match what basketball has looked like now this past year. One-game regionals today. Two games were played at different sites. Semi-state sites will be announced tomorrow by the IHSAA. But I can tell you the teams. In 4A in the north, Homestead will play Hamilton Southeastern. Penn will play Lake Central. In the South, New Pal, a bit of a surprise, will play Castle as New Pal got past Cathedral. Center Grove has been the number one team most of the year. They will take on Brownsburg. Again, those teams will uh, be announced in terms of groups of four as to where they are going as of tomorrow. In 3A, Heritage will take on Frankfurt. Andrean, every time they're in 3A, Dave Pishker's team is the favorite. They will take on Norwell, though, a team that has won a few state championships over the years and a team that has produced a couple of Major League Baseball players over the years in Jared Parker and Josh Van Meter. Of course, the 59ers can have guys like Mike Brasso and Sean Manaya that immediately come to mind as well. That's a powerhouse matchup in terms of history, uh, in terms of next week in the semi-state round. Uh, in terms of 3A South, Bishop Chittard, We'll take on Tri-West, and it's Tri-West first baseball regional. Congratulations to them. And Silver Creek and Memorial. Memorial, of course, historical program. Silver Creek, they basically seemingly make the semi-state like every year at this point, and they have made trips to Victory Field in the state championship game as well. As far as Class 2A, the defending state champs in Ileana Christian will take on Westview. Winchester and Delphi will be in a semi-state. Coming at Christian Brownstown Central, Mitchell and Heritage Christian will square off. Again, sites to be announced tomorrow. 
And in 1A, Blackhawk Christian Marquette Catholic, Westdale and perennial powerhouse Lafayette Central Catholic. In the South, it's always Shackamack. They'll take on Rising Sun. Bar Reeve and Greenwood Christian Academy. Those are the teams that have qualified for the semi-state in the 1A level. Again, in years gone by, two games of the regional, one game in the semi-state. That has now been flipped this year. It is one game regional. you got to play twice at the semi-state round. The semi-state sites will be announced tomorrow. But the places in which those games will be held, Historic Laporte, Lafayette Jeff, which means Loeb Stadium, Kokomo Municipal Stadium, Oak Hill, great turf facility, Plainfield, Mooresville also on the turf, League Stadium at Southridge, Ruxer Field at Jasper. Again, follow the IHSA website, IHSA.org, IHSA1 on Twitter, to find where your team will be playing. If you're in the 32 I just mentioned, you will learn tomorrow where your semi-state site will be for activity next Saturday to lead you to Victory Field on June 16th and June 17th. And I am fortunate enough to have the television call for the doubleheader on Friday, June 16th for the IHSAA Champions Network. One more hour left to go. Greg Rakestraw in for Bob Lovell. You're listening to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.